Hi, I'm Stephen Little. Welcome to That Was Awesome, where I interview people that have been a part of something that I thought was awesome. And whether or not you shared my excitement about that particular thing, I think you'll find the behind the scenes stories interesting. It's been about a month and a half since my last episode. Uh, and as I tend to do, I started thinking about yet another side project. Uh, more details to come later, but I'm interested in starting an apparel brand. And as I did some research around that, I came across Homefield Apparel. Uh, I loved their brand. Uh, they started it similarly to how I'm thinking of starting mine. Their social media presence is great. Um, and it's in college sports, um, which is, you know, where my interests lie and, and where I'm thinking of starting something. So I reached out to Connor Hitchcock, who started the brand, and he's today's guest. Um, but before I get to Connor, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe to it and rate it in Apple Podcast app or in iTunes. That's how you can support the show. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TWAwesomePod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N underscore little. I'll put links to the things that Connor and I talk about in the show notes, uh, which you can find in your podcast app or at ThatWasAwesomePodcast.com. Today's guest is Connor Hitchcock, founder and CEO of Homefield Apparel. In college at Indiana, Connor started an apparel company called Hoosier Proud that eventually became Homefield, which The Athletic recently featured in an article and called it the hottest apparel company in college sports. Homefield now produces premium licensed vintage apparel for over 100 colleges. All right, so welcome, Connor. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. First of all, congrats on a top 10 Indiana team. <laughs> That's right. Number nine Indiana Hoosiers is a real thing we can say. In the year in of our Lord, 2020 in football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see about basketball, women's basketball, potentially baseball. Sure. Soccer. Yep. Uh, swimming. <laughs> yep. Huh. Men's basketball. Probably not. <laughs> Which is odd, right? Like, um, how are you to it now? Yeah, that's true. I guess it's, it's been, it's been a little while, but, um, that's awesome. Um, well, let's start at the beginning. Tell me about where you grew up and who's in your family. Yeah, I grew up all over the Midwest. I am the oldest of five kids. Um, we, I was born in the, well, in Chicago, lived in the Chicago area for a bit. Um, moved to the Detroit area, moved to the Indianapolis area, moved back to the Detroit area, moved back to the Indianapolis area <laughs> where we lived for, uh, gosh, from when I was about 12 to 18, basically. Um, I went to school in Bloomington, Indiana at IU and moved right back to Broad Ripple, which is a neighborhood right smack dab in the middle of Indianapolis, a few miles north of downtown. Awesome. So in all that moving around, did you grow up an India fan, an Indiana fan, or when did you become one? I did. My parents met at Indiana. Okay. So I, from young as I can remember, was a big IU basketball fan. Fell in love with IU and IU football in particular during the Randall L years as a kid, which was electric as <laughs> we went five and seven. He never went to a bowl game. Uh, the, the second best player in Indiana football history did not go to a bowl game. So. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. As a, as a childhood Iowa State fan, I can relate to many two and ten seasons and, uh, and things like that. I, I went to Georgia Tech and it got up to like medium good, I guess. And I've seen yeah. some good years in there for sure. But, uh, on the whole, I'd say we're, we're medium good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, look, Calvin Johnson was fun. Yes, what a great, absolutely. great talent used with a triple option team, you know? <laughs> well, and so everybody thinks that he predated the triple option. So he okay. was Chan Gailey all four years. Uh, and then very shortly after he left, we started running the triple option, but then still turned out like 
Demarius Thomas and and some other NFL wide receivers out of the triple option, which is uh-huh. is weird. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Calvin was in the school the same time I was, so that was exciting. Again, we were seven and five every year, but one, but, but we had Calvin, so that was cool. Um, when did your love of, of vintage t-shirts and apparel start? Oh man, I became, well, I would say honestly in high school, um, I did the classic going to Goodwill looking for things. I was first actually really into the champion NBA jerseys, like the champion Uh, ones from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like all those like really just gaudy uh, designs, <laughs> you know, like a teal Pistons jersey. Yep. I remember snagging a teal Jerry Stackhouse Pistons jersey. Nice. Um, even the other day I pulled one out. I wore it yesterday. I have an <laughs> Navy midshipman uh, crew neck that has like 12 different colors with the <laughs> goat on it. So yeah, I just really got into that aesthetic in high school. Um, I just loved collegiate sports um my whole life and so there's just it college sports are unique because there's so many teams and there's so many unique personalities as in terms of the fan bases right um which is what i really latch on to and that comes through apparel right Mm -hmm. there's just some wild stuff out there because there's so many different mascots and people try to do things to stand out um from other schools so yeah for sure yeah um so while you were in college, I believe you started the company Hoosier Proud, right? Yes. Tell me about, about that company. Yeah. So, you know, I go off to IU and, um, I wasn't really thinking anything apparel wise. Didn't really know what to study. Um, IU is one of the best undergraduate business schools in the country. And so I just decided like, okay, I'm here at IU might as well study business. I feel like it's versatile. Um, so I just ended up going into the business school there, studying marketing. And, um, at the time, my now wife, Krista, then girlfriend, um, her cousin had been making and still does, um, stickers, uh, the outline of the great lakes. Um, and if you ever drive in the Midwest, they are everywhere. Um, and I felt like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like we maybe want to do something like that for Indiana, like the state of Indiana, because, there's really nothing out there. Um, not really a tourist destination uh, <laughs> as much as I love this place. So we, we meaning I mocked up a few stickers, um, had them made somewhere, started literally walking door to door in Bloomington. A few stores picked them up, uh, made a website for it. Um, the Indiana state museum reached out um, and said, Hey, we like these stickers. We'd love to get some shirts made too. So we did some state of Indiana themed shirts. Um, and yeah, that's where that really started. We didn't do anything with licensing or collegiate apparel until the 2015 pinstripe bowl, which if you don't know what it is, that <laughs> game is don't worry because you have to kind of be tragically online to know, <laughs> but Indiana played Duke in the pinstripe bowl, went into double overtime. We don't go to a bowl very often to begin with. We line up for a kick in double overtime to tie it and go kick goes through the uprights or so we thought <laughs> um, refs call it no good run off the field game over Indiana. Uh, loses. And that was the cap off a season where Indiana had almost beaten three top 10 teams. And it came down to like the final play uh, uh, thus earning the moniker chaos team. So anything with Indiana football is <laughs> tongue in cheek. And at that point, um, going into the next football season, I'd started working in marketing in Indianapolis and 
basically uh, decided to throw the tongue in cheek, the kick was good phrase on a crimson t-shirt with the state of Indiana. It didn't require licensing technically. Um, <laughs> ran that through the ladder with IU um, and we sold a bunch of them and kind of opened my eyes to what could happen if we were to get licensed, if we were to focus on the collegiate side. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really where it started. Um, went out eventually and got licensed for IU, Purdue, Indiana state and ball state, mm-hmm. um, under the name Hoosier proud still while I was still working full time would literally print in my basement. Um, wow. very classic story. Yeah. Uh, and at that time I also finally got married and Krista was my wife is our designer now our creative director and one of my co-founders with Homefield, And so it just kind of worked out well that I'd handle the marketing and she would design for these schools. It did really well. Um, and that kind of led me into having a discussion with one of my mentors at work in 2017, like about doing it full time and, uh, planned for a year for what eventually became home field and left my job to do it. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you did some of those early designs and then I guess your wife did too. Do either or both of you have a background in art or design or any of that? I do not. <laughs> not at all. Uh, Krista does though. Krista okay. studied uh, called interactive media at Miami of Ohio, but she had a focus in graphic design and photography as well. Okay. Home. Awesome. So she is the creative genius behind it all. That's awesome. And you mentioned she's the creative director now. Is she still doing designs or do you have a staff of designers? She is carrying the brunt of designs. Um, we have a few freelancers we work with as well. We are looking to hire. It looks like a designer. Haven't announced that publicly. So we get a (laughs) rush of emails. We'll see. We are looking to hire a graphic designer in the beginning of 2021. Okay. Awesome. I'm happy to cut that part. If you, if you don't want to announce it publicly. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. A little treat people get for listening to your podcast. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, she's super talented. That's awesome. Um, that's really cool that you guys did it together or are doing it together. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So I guess you started initially with that Indiana shirt and then added, um, some local schools. Did you always Mm -hmm. plan or not always, maybe when you had that conversation with your mentor to go nationally or were you kind of thinking regionally or just see where it goes? How did that come to be? After planning to leave my job, it was kind of like, yeah, go bigger, go home. Type of deal. So the the goal was to add, you know, go national. Uh, the initial pitch that we did was, you know, we will. We did really well with Ball State and Indiana State relative to their size. We did well sure. with IU and Purdue too. But the the phrase we hear all the time is "finally," right? Like finally, like Ball State, we just launched a vintage, like official vintage collection this past Monday because they finally allowed it, and people are going crazy over it because they've, ne- they've wanted these certain logos for years and the school hasn't allowed it. Right. Um, and we do that a lot for small schools cause they don't get the attention that a larger power five school would, even some power five schools don't have great design out there if I'm being yeah. frank. So for sure. our, our pitch was to go national, but start with the mid majors and then maybe one day work our way up to get some power fives as well. Um, that's been hitting warp speed recently the, the past <laughs> summer and fall. I mean, we, we added Auburn, Michigan, and Alabama in the last month or so here. 
Mm-hmm. And realistically, we weren't planning. Like I remember putting together a planning document, like, okay, so maybe in 2022 or 2023, we'll get Alabama or Michigan, <laughs> you know, based off of just, you know, what you, how licensing goes. So yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's been hitting more speed recently, which is, yeah, been- that's awesome. Well, congrats. And, uh, you mentioned the process for those not familiar. Can you give just a, as brief as you can, a description of the process to license schools? Yes. So licensing is multifaceted and a little complicated, but basically, you know, if you were looking at 10,000 foot view, the school has to approve you as a licensee. And then once you're in, they have to approve every single design you make that uses their insignia or references them. And 12 to 20% of that sale, depending on the contract and what type of logo goes to the school. So to get into the minutia of it, a lot of them work with agencies. There's one big one based in Atlanta, CLC, Mm -hmm. um, that most schools work with that they facilitate artwork distribution. They facilitate application processes. They, they, they're the big middleman in, in terms of everything. And they handle a lot of that because especially a lot of smaller schools, they can't dedicate a full-time staff person to only do that. So you'll have like an associate AD of marketing who 10% of their job is to approve licensees and CLC will handle everything else. Um, so that's how that goes. So everything we do has to get approved by the school and then they get our cut of it. Basically. Okay. Interesting. Um, early on, did most schools accept you guys or deny you? Definitely deny. Oh yeah. Um, we, we got better at making relationships and we would have conversations. And then if it was like, eh, probably not right now, we wouldn't even apply Mm -hmm. so that if you were looking at like a percentage rate, that denial rate went down, but only because we, you know, did our homework a little bit more beforehand. Um, but it's just a very, very concentrated industry. Right. I think you and I were talking a bit before we came on. It's just, there's, there's a lot of people trying to do this right now um, and have been for a long time. So we, we had to find ways to communicate why we're different and why we offer, why our product is different, why we as a company are different um, and, and ultimately um, just be able to communicate that to the schools in, in a way that they can understand. So uh, it became easier, you know, it's, um, I, I, you mentioned the athletic article earlier. I told Steven, the author, the author of the article that it's become a snowball effect now too, though. You know, you get licensed for one school, you reach out to their, their rival and be like, look, there's a lot of people in your state that probably want our apparel because we just launched a rival. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets easier. You know, you just got to get a foot in the door somewhere. And for us, that was Indiana being based in Indiana. Um, you know, 30 years ago, we were the Duke of college basketball. So there's, uh, there's still <laughs> like a, an older, but very large national fan base, even if they're not from here, right. they go to school here. Right. So, um, you know, we were able fortunately, fortunately with my connections being an Indiana guy, uh, that's how, that was our foot in the door that allowed us conversations with other big gun schools. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And you referenced the athletic article, I'll link to it in the show notes, but, uh, yeah, just recently, um, they wrote a, a feature on home field and called it the hottest apparel company in college sports. So, uh, congrats on the press. Um, <laughs> Thank you. what has the last year been like for you guys? Um, absurd. <laughs> um, obviously 2020 has been absurd for everyone. <laughs> sure. um, 
but we, we launched a marketing campaign uh, in July called Big New Saturday. And the idea was to launch one new school a week in perpetuity because we had no idea when sports were coming back. <laughs> right. Um, and then we just did our last one on November 7th um, with Michigan. So we had 18 weeks of new schools, which is just like our team is exhausted. <laughs> I bet. Um, right. Going into what will be the busiest four week stretch ever. Um, but there's been significant growth. I mean, we started Big New Saturday with a team of five and now we're somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Um, I don't even know right now because we've had to hire someone just recently uh, in terms of production and fulfillment. Um, so it's just been crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, which is great. And we're very, we feel really, it's weird to talk about it now, right? Cause the, um, a lot of people are struggling and it, it's weird to talk about the success. I always feel weird about it. Um, but, but it, it has been cool. I mean, we are still a very much so local company, mm-hmm. local to Indianapolis, of course, but you know, we're not some conglomerate. Um, and it's been, um, really humbling and you kind of have to like, we've, we've Chris and I being the co-founders and married, you know, we have these discussions all the time, um, where we just stop and kind of, catch a breath and be like, Holy cow, is this happening? And like, also like blown away that people have been kind enough to spend their hard earned money on some stupid t-shirts. we made. You know? So yeah. yeah, it's, it's been cool for That's sure. Awesome. So how many schools are you guys up to now? Uh, I also don't know the exact number. <laughs> I, I know it is over 100. Um, we have, we're doing planning for big new Saturday season two, which will be sometime. In 2021, um, we have about 25, not for big new Saturday, but just other drops we're looking to do, mm-hmm. uh, locked up for, uh, 2021. So yes. That's awesome. Uh, the ones that have denied you in the past, do they typically give a reason or are you just called like, Nope. The ones that have denied us, uh, it, it all depends. Now that we have gained some notoriety, there's more nuance in that response. Um, initially a lot of the times we get kind of, um, uh, form letter responses because nobody knew us. Right. And they get right. the requests all the time, but you know, sometimes it's, Hey, we have someone doing this already locally, which I respect. Right. You don't want to, like, I mean, like I said earlier, we're local company, local to Indianapolis, but you know, we don't want to steal sales from someone. Our, our argument is always that we're additive sales. Um, which has been proven out over time with a lot of our schools that we help grow the pie rather than just redistribute it. Mm. But, um, so sometimes it's that sometimes, um, schools have primary, primary apparel deals, you know, they've guaranteed X amount of dollars, um, to certain, uh, larger brands that they have to, to go by. So it, it's, it's very much so while there is like a, every, most people go through CLC, there still is beyond that very much. So school by school case, uh, right. when it comes to licensing. Yeah. And I know, um, almost all your businesses through your own, uh, e-commerce website. Are you guys yeah. in any bookstores or team shops anywhere? Yeah. So most bookstores, um, are Barnes and Noble or Follett, which are on a national level. So it's not just, you know, convincing the local bookstore manager, it's going to Barnes and Noble or Follett corporate and convincing them. And then the bookstores are allowed to buy from you. 
we haven't really gone down that path much yet because we wanted to establish the brand in the e-commerce space. But there are some local bookstores like we love working local, not even really, but they're local to the city. Um, like the University of Dayton, um, they picked up a lot of our stuff. Um, and we actually did a pop-up shop with them the week before everything shut down, which oh, wow. was, uh, yeah, crazy uh, on their senior night. Um, that was like the last big in-person thing we did. So yeah, it's, that's an area that we're certainly looking to grow in. You know, we, we're having those conversations now, but frankly, we don't want to invest too much time and we don't know how long, uh, everything surrounding COVID is going to last much less COVID, much more COVID itself. Right. And so we haven't invested too much in anything having to do with being in person yet because of, you know, uh, just COVID. Yeah. To that point, have you guys had any thoughts about opening a storefront of your own in Indianapolis at any point? It's something we've talked about, um, you know, probably more of a, a, a brand play and obviously it still would have to be efficient and whatnot, mm-hmm. but the NCAA is based here, right? There are a lot mm-hmm. of NCAA events here. And so it would stand to reason that it would make sense, but it, that would be years down the road. That's not really an area we've spent too much time on, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the whole NCAA tournament will be there next year, right? Sure. It's looking <laughs> like it on the men's side that they're going to bring yeah. every single game to the city. Yeah. So we'll see. We have like 16 of the big, uh, something crazy, like 15 of the 16 biggest uh, high school basketball gyms in the country. So I'm that's sure crazy. even though the courts aren't regulation, I'm sure they'll find a way to make that work. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Typically my, my job entails traveling to the final four, but I'm sure it will not this year. So I actually haven't been to Indianapolis. That was one of the two I've missed in my 10 years, uh, working on March Madness, but I, someday I'll get up there. <laughs> yeah, man. When you do, and when everything's normal, I'll have to show you around the old circle city. It's yeah. one of those cities that people come in and they're like, Oh, Indianapolis. Like I actually had a good time. And it's like, I thank you, but also <laughs> The way you said that, like, yeah, I get it. But yeah. also like that makes, it confirms a lot of the things I thought that you thought about my city. <laughs> For sure. No, it's funny. Like, you know, we, we go to the final four every year and when it's in a select few cities like new Orleans or somewhere, people get all excited. And then when yeah. it's in others like Indianapolis, yep. people are like, Oh, it's in Indianapolis this year. But everyone that I know that went basically said the exact same thing you just uh-huh. did. Of, no, it was, it was actually, we had a really good time. It was fun. See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is fun. Yeah. It is, but I get it. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, that's funny. Um, so a big part of your success, at least it seems to me is, is your Twitter account. Um, yes. and I, I guess, yeah. Talk me through like the decision and when was it like, did you start the yeah. exact way it is now, like very personable part of the cultural ball community in Indiana, Homer, a sentient brand, as you call it, which yeah. I, how do you pronounce that word, by the way? Sentient. <laughs> See, so I Googled it before I talked to you. So I didn't sound like an idiot and basically found that both were right. Yep. And from what I could tell, it's more British to say it's sentient because they're all proper and stuff. Uh-huh. So I had to pick which way to say, and I guessed wrong for you. Uh, well, my last name's Hitchcock, so maybe that's why I went the British way. Yeah, there you but, go. Well, I uh, thought it was sentient, and then I Googled it and was like, oh, I've been yeah. saying it wrong. So they're both right. So It's one of those words <laughs> that, yeah, you see it only in writing, and then you have to pronounce it, and you go, uh-oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like my friend is the guy, the Wheel of Fortune guy who said Achilles. Uh, if you remember him, that's my friend Julian. Uh, that's amazing. I was in a class with him where we read Achilles, but I don't think he ever said it out loud. And then the moment came. 
Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's, yes. But to that point, yep. the Twitter personality, um, it was something we always wanted to try. Um, you know, there's a, there's a playbook for how you do social media or playbooks for how you do direct to consumer brands. Right. Because that's been the hot thing the last five years, especially in like the world I'm not in, nor am I interested in, but it's related to venture capital world. Right. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of it's good. The playbooks like getting it's, you know, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, making sure you're doing things the right way, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> but social media is very impersonal. Um, and for the first year of the brand, we kind of followed that playbook. You know, we wouldn't get too risky. And I think part of it too was like, you know, if I reveal that we're cheering for this one team, will it piss off another school? Right. And now we have data to show the opposite but like yeah. us being an Indiana yeah. Homer gets people more invested, but you know, it was basically ultimately, um, we, we were at this decision point last summer. I kept talking, I was talking about earlier. We're like a year in, we're not taking paychecks and like, you know, let's shoot our shot. Let's just be us, you know? Um, and so that meant like, I'm going to treat the Twitter account. Like it's my personal Twitter account. I never tweeted before for my personal Twitter account, really. Uh, it's <laughs> locked up and it's just a bunch of dumb basketball retweets. So, uh, but I've been observing it for years and I thought, you know, somebody could break in in this way and it just kind of took some bold action to go do it. Um, so we started to, it, we also got really lucky uh, in that we were part of, uh, if you're on the college football internet, there was a movement last year that still lives on today called Nine Windiana. Um, yep. just the belief that Indiana football was going to win nine games and, uh, myself and two of my friends who wrote then for Crimson Quarry, which is an IU blog, uh, had beers one night and like just made it a thing on Indiana Twitter. And as Indiana started winning, it started to get pickup steam nationally. Um, and <laughs> we kind of rode that wave to the point where we were the in venue vendor for IU apparel at the Gator Bowl this past year. Um, so in addition to us being stupid, we also were just getting a lot of attention now from that too. So like, even if we had started out the Twitter account being stupid, it's like, okay, I'm tweeting these jokes out to 34 followers. You know, how does that do anything for me? Um, because it wouldn't still wouldn't have picked up steam. So yeah, man, it was, it was definitely a conscious decision. And now it's just like, now we have to rein it in sometimes like, okay, remember we sell t-shirts like, um, but, but it was definitely a conscious decision. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and it's crazy that Indiana in a shortened season is already halfway to the, the nine win mark. <laughs> they may get yes. there with fewer games to do it. Nine wins means we are going to the college football playoff. So <laughs> I'm sure you'd take that. Sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, you mentioned venture capitalism in there and, uh, yeah. did you guys start out with any funding at all? Or did you just start printing t-shirts in your basement and make enough here and there to keep it growing? Who's your proud had no funding home field. We raised a little bit from local angel investors who with no institutional ties though. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're still like, I own myself and Krista own a solid majority of home field. Um, so yeah, we, we, I mean, I was 23 when I left my job. Um, 
And so I did not have the savings <laughs> to live off of, you know, and like, there's a lot of licensing costs up front, right? We decided if we were going to do, we're going to try to get licensed for a lot of schools. And so needed money for that and equipment and, and all that good stuff. But it wasn't just the money. I mean, the people, I mean, like, for example, the the pandemic, we basically went, sent our whole team home for two months, fully paid. And we raised like $70,000 for different charities with t-shirts. And like, I didn't get any crap from our investors about it. Right. But it's because they're people who have same values as us. And that's great. They're highly skilled and brilliant people. Um, So yeah, I'm lucky in that way because, and I'm glad we haven't taken institutional because there's a lot more uh, pressure to return. And maybe people who would be like, why are you raising money for people? Or why are you doing this or that? Whereas like the people that we did raise money from were like, yes, this is great. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. you mentioned college football Twitter. How did you get, uh, paired up with like some of the SB nation, um, yeah. network, I guess. So I knew the Crimson Quarry guys, um, just cause we all live a mile from each other. I mean, I ran by, both their houses today on my run. They're like, <laughs> we're that close in, mm-hmm. in proximity. Um, but then we, I was a listener to the shutdown full cast and PAPN back in the day. Um, now it's split zone duo. And I just, one day Ryan Nanny from shutdown full cast and SB nation ordered something on our site last summer. And if you're not familiar with him, he also started a campaign wants to be the frying onion at the Outback bowl. And he was, <laughs> And so there's a great photo of him online as a frying onion. And so I took that photo and I printed it on a t-shirt and I sent it with his order. Um, That's awesome. And I got him, he responded back via email and I asked, we set up a call about becoming a sponsor, which was That's like awesome. a pretty big financial investment at the time for us. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it worked out really well. And like, I mean, it's, we're just like us and, uh, banner society slash now the moon crew, um, is what they're called. Um, it's just like the perfect overlap. Like yeah. I don't send them a podcast script. Like they just vamp about home field <laughs> and awesome. it's just a really good alignment. And like, yes, it talks about college football, but also just like, like our dumb tweets, like their podcast bear, like it's college football in name only. Right. And so there's just a really good community overlap there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, that's all I got for you. I kind of used up all my questions for Connor when we chatted before this and picked his brain <laughs> about the industry. But uh, thanks so much. Where can uh, people follow you and Homefield on social media? Yeah, I appreciate that, Stephen. Uh, Homefield, you can follow at Homefield Apparel, A P P A R L. Uh, there are character limits on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. um, our website is homefieldapparel.com, Instagram at homefieldapparel. <laughs> We haven't updated Facebook in over a year. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, you don't want to follow me on Twitter. It's locked and I retweet dumb things about basketball. Um, but yeah, I use the home field account as the actual Twitter, but that's where you can find us. We're going to be doing a bunch of stuff for Black Friday, of course, um, coming up here very shortly, but homefieldapparel.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much and congrats on the success and good luck going forward. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Links to things we talked about are in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at thatwasawesomepodcast.com. Please subscribe to and rate the show in Apple Podcast app or in iTunes. That's how you can help me out. 
Uh, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TWAwesomePod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N underscore little. Huge thanks to Connor for taking his time and coming on, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.